It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder trying to get him out of the space. Slopes a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. Takes a shot. Here's Corey Davis, wide open. Davis. Still going, and he's in for the touchdown. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's the q Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And we are doing our 2021 Jets offseason reviews. Yesterday, we got into part one with our man, John Grella, who's a contributor at playlikeajet.com and former three-year communications director for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We talked about free agency. We talked about the draft. And now, John, I want to ask you about Joe Douglas, the architect of the offseason in general, the one who made the final call on the Robert Sala hire, all of that. Where are you at with him so far as a general manager? Are you pleased? Do you think this team is moving in the right direction? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, and again, I'm not a homer. I, I um, You can't be, after, you know, after you've been through this yourself and, and just the, you know, the ups and downs and the, and the um, certainly the, the awful feeling of losing seasons and, and such and, and firings. Um, so with regard to Joe Douglas, certainly I was in, um, I was endeared with the, um, hearing that he's, a, a also a, um, eighties wrestling fan, particularly the four horsemen who are my favorite, uh, favorite click. Uh, anyway, um, Joe D has, has wowed everyone with regard to his trades certainly knows how to negotiate um, certainly seems to have picked the right head coach for the right reason. He didn't just pick a buddy uh, and you know, which is an easy thing to do for self-protection, uh, self-preservation. Uh, and, and so I, again, I'm cautiously optimistic, um, but in the, you know, two years or so that we've known Joe Douglas, um, the stock has kind of climbed up. It, it's not like we began with a bunch of hope and he sort of chipped away at it. That I feel like he's 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 earned the trust. He's he's validating himself before our eyes. And certainly we we need to wait for some wins on the field before we um, you know want to extend him or put him in the Hall of Fame. But uh, but uh, I am uh, I am bullish on Joe Douglas. Um, at this point, Woody Johnson is back, John. Any thoughts on that? Hey, you know what? I want to mention one more thing. You know, Robbie Anderson comes up as a ding on Joe Douglas. I just, I like Robbie Anderson so much, and I really wish we had him. Um, and I, I had him on my fantasy teams this year. Um, but with a player like that, where, you know, it seems evident that he's, he's good, should have been resigned, but then he wasn't. This is another one where you go, if you're trying to understand, my view would be that there's either a work ethic or character issue or 
that Adam Gase didn't like his style. Like Adam Gase, that Adam Gase didn't like that he fell asleep in a meeting one time. Like there's there's usually an X factor in there, and whether it's a valid one or an invalid one, I don't think that their judgment on Robbie Anderson was was like they saw an untalented player when we all saw a talented player. I think that their the decision to part ways with him or to or to let him walk was probably based on a is the juice worth the squeeze or am I tired of this guy? You know, the old expression that, you know, no matter how hot she is, somebody somewhere is sick of her shit. I mean, it's like a, <laughs> I, I saw that on, on a uh, on a, a bathroom wall in the West Alabama ice house in, in uh, Houston, Texas one time. And I never forgot it, but this goes for football players too, right? Like he could be fast as hell and, 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 you know, and touchdown waiting to happen. But, you know, the, but what if he drives his coaches crazy, fairly or unfairly? Um, so, look, I, 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 I'm not laying that defeated Joe Douglas is what I'm saying here. Um, all right. Back to the Johnsons. Okay. Um, so, so running back by committee for ownership does not work. Um, that any organization, any business needs continuity and consistency. And so – it's tell it sure I you know I wouldn't turn down an ambassadorship like that, but I also probably shouldn't be seeking one. Um, set that aside. The Johnsons before the ambassadorship were not um, standouts on the ownership front. Um, they certainly have not. Uh, uh, we are now at 2021, having having seen both Woody and um, and Christopher running the show. Um, we, it's not like there's a, a clubhouse favorite as far as who you prefer. Um, so, um, at least we don't have to, to deal with a, why isn't the other one in charge? Um, it, it is a, the situation is a situation can't fire the owners. It's their team, not ours. And I used to say that all the time when I worked for owners and, and, you know, fans think that owners should bankroll their hobby. And, you know, but the owners are the ones who are shelling out the money and laying their reputation on the line, whether they take it seriously enough or not. That's a different question, but it is their team. It's their thing. They're not, they don't get, they're not up for election or referendum. That's who we're stuck with. So lest you think that, uh, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk is going to like swoop into the rescue. It's not happening. Like the Johnson's own the team. Um, My, my, thought on ownership scott is that the owners who are who are self-made men and women um give you a better chance um and that owners who were born on third base and thought they had a triple watch out so um that's usually the first test i apply to to owners and then after that i say is there stability between owner and alignment between ownership and like team president and GM, and then with coach, and then with quarterback, and the organizations that have stable ownership, stable front office, stable head coach, stable quarterback. Guess what? They're they're successful ones. So um, we we basically have had none of that. Um, and does that mean that we are precluded from success? No, it just makes it that much harder. The Washington Football Team in my backyard here you know, might be putting something together here in spite of their owner, right? They got Ron Rivera. How? I don't know. 
but they got Ron Rivera, so that, and and he's he seems to be marching them toward respectability in spite of the ownership. So maybe we're doing something similar, and and that we're th- this ownership group. I think by any fair estimation is not a top ten or even top half ownership group. Are they so poorly performing that they're holding the team back? I think some would argue that. Um, but they're certainly not a cause of success. There has been no success. And even if there was, I don't think anybody would think that it's because of, of, of the Johnsons, but that said, they are here. They are here to stay. And, and uh, we better get used to it. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. John, what are your reasonable expectations for the jets in 2021? Reasonable. um, I would say seven wins is, is, the threshold for a good season. Um, and you know, I don't think it's, I don't think it's too much to ask, especially with 17 games, um, for us to, for us to get that high. Um, we certainly had, and I, I think that some fans in the process of trying to, um, make the case against Adam Gase, um, maybe set aside or gloss over the fact how very untalented our roster was. Um, And we've, we are immensely more talented than we were. The question is, are we talented enough to be good and competitive or we just leaps and bounds better than we were a year ago, which isn't saying much. So I feel like seven wins is the magic number for me um, to feel like, We've got a lot, a lot to look forward to. Um, it's a shame in football you have to wait so long, uh, you know, wait so long each year, and then and then you know feel like you have something that's on the come, and you're and you're still talking about I can't wait until you know Christmas time of a of a year and a half from now. John, I want to ask you a question about what was going on with the Jets beat in the last couple of weeks between OTAs and minicamp and all of that, there was some dissatisfaction from the fans. And the one question that really set a lot of people off involved Corey Davis, and it was something involving Sam Darnold. I don't want to talk about who asked it or what the specific question was, but a lot of people didn't like the question, thought it was unnecessary, and that it was counterproductive. And that's what it felt like to me watching it. I understand that these reporters have a job to do, and they absolutely have to ask the tough questions. But sometimes you ask a question that isn't necessary, it rubs somebody the wrong way, and then it causes problems for you and for the rest of the beat down the line. With your experience as somebody who worked as a director of communications and was on the other end of this, I was wondering if you could kind of explain that dichotomy there and the best way to navigate it and what some of the fallout could be. Sure. So so just for background purposes, my um, experience in political communications and corporate communications um, gave me the opportunity to work in sports. Um, flax, press flax as, as they're called, don't get to tell reporters what they can ask and not ask. And don't get to manhandle reporters. Reporters are notorious about getting their back up about feeling manhandled or controlled. Um, even when it's the um, communications person or the PR person's job to mitigate risk, to help the organization put um, their best foot forward, limit your exposure, and essentially protect this house, right? Like that's that's the communications job 
Um, so it's not just to tee up players for reporters to, you know, do whatever they wish with. Um, there is a push and pull and a give and take. You have to respect that reporters do have a job to do. Um, that said, you can, you can um, have strong feelings about the type of questions that reporters ask but still be against banning questions. You're not in a position to ban it, ban questions. Um, so I, I, I do have strong feelings about media in general it, across realms. So it's not particular to the Jets beat, the Bucks beat, or, or sports in general. I mean, it's even, it applies to politics. I think most people would probably understand when I say that a lot, a lot of media, not all are, make mischief, you know, stir the pot, manufacture drama, use gotcha questions, and and that it's not appreciated. Contrary to some people's belief, players aren't stupid, especially when they have to when they have to deal with this crap every day and they have reporters coming in a locker room five days a week for 45 minutes or yeah, four days a week for 45 minutes, plus on Sunday or game day. Um, and oftentimes they're, they're you know, cranky and exhausted after a game and they're getting second-guessed by somebody who, you know, who didn't even play JV football in high school. You know, so there are natural tensions in there. Um, and certainly anytime a reporter doesn't, doesn't get unfettered, clear shots at, at uh, his target, that they get frustrated and feel like anybody who, who may who may try to keep them from from doing what they wish is an enemy of the First Amendment. Nothing could be further from the truth, right? And and but um, each side has their own prerogatives. Is 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 really my point here? And you know, when it came to the Corey Davis situation and and some of the other uh, issues at hand, I think that gotcha questions shouldn't be banned but they could still be clown questions the term clown questions by the way came from um my favorite baseball team or the washington nationals and bryce harper who used to be on the nationals famously once once uh, uh referred to a reporter's question as a clown question bro said that's a clown question bro so my use of the term clown question doesn't mean i think it should be illegal and doesn't mean we should be pulling people's credentials over it but it does mean that reporters sometimes um, get players to uh, burn bridges before they're built. I mean, Corey Davis just got here. By all accounts, is a good dude. And and do you want to start off if you're talking about diplomacy and building a relationship to last? You want this guy to be a source. You want this guy to be, you know, you, you think you're going to be working with him, you know, and, and essentially walking to his locker a few days a week on game day and during the week while he's, he's, you know, just got out of the shower or just got out of his, you know, just took his pads off. And, and, you know, you want a relationship there where he'll be there for you and he's going to give you, like thoughtful answers instead of the cold shoulder. So is it wise on a reporter's part to begin a relationship with a gotcha question that sounds like it was something out of politics? Like, you know, that it just seems wholly unnecessary. My, my refrain on this thing, Scott, is 
a, the best reporters, the ones that I think do their jobs the best, can, can bring up a topic and invite a player or, who, or whoever, a subject to expand on a topic or speak to a topic. And then they, then they have a selection of material from which to choose. And there are other ones that, that choose to make their question the focal point. And then players or, to- or subjects shut down. So do you want your subject to open up or shut down is really my, my advice to a journalist when not sure how to ask something. But if your if your aim is to be to get high fives in the media room, or or for your question to be aired on television like a White House press briefing or something like that, that's a different aim. But if you're looking to build a relationship and 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 you and you believe in diplomacy and and you know human or professional relations, then then it's very clear that starting a relationship off with a first year um, player with the Jets who's seemingly going to be here for a while um that, that that might not be the best way to begin a relationship that's just my two cents john since we haven't made any 80s wrestling references i figure before we run we got to do at least one so here's what i wanted to ask you if you were yes. to take zach wilson and then you were to take joe douglas and robert sala as a tag team and you were to pick a classic 80s tag team to represent them and a classic 80s wrestler to represent Zach Wilson. I was wondering who oh, you would man. pick. I'm going to go off the top of my head and say that Joe Douglas and Robert Sala are the Legion of Doom because I think they're both big, right? They're both big bad dudes. Put them on the shoulder, do the doomsday device. And then as far as Zach Wilson goes, I feel like he's a guy that is going to start off as a heel just because he's got that face that everybody looks at and thinks yeah. of Johnny Lawrence from the Karate Kid, which is unfair, that's but that's also, the way it is, that's right? Also, what I was thinking of. Yeah. So, so my thought there, as far as an '80s villain in terms of pro wrestling, is that it would be somebody that would start out as a heel, but then eventually end up as a major baby face. I'm trying to think of who would fit that category from the 80s. Shawn Michaels was more of a 90s guy, but maybe somebody like that. What do you think? All right. So this is really this is really good stuff and these are the terms uh <laughs> these are the terms I think in. So um <laughs> I appreciate somebody in in my life understanding me. My <laughs> wife is 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 grateful to you for for uh indulging me on this. All right. So look yeah, Zach Wilson uh, is 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 certainly almost um, hateably good looking and and youthful, you know, in like sort of a Zac Efron kind of way, right? So of course you think about um, Johnny from Cobra Kai, which you know, of course is is my if you like the Four Horsemen, then you like Cobra Kai, right? Like you like the charismatic villains, um, and that's very much my speed. So um, look, so so Zach. I mean, on one hand, you um, geez, it's a shame that most of the people who are even following us a little bit will will think of the Red Rooster, but like Terry Taylor is like somebody I thought of like in his in his mid South days, like he's mm-hmm. a, he was a young, good looking dude. Um, I don't know, Magnum T A. I, I, I don't know, like he's he's a he is a a lovable guy, even if he's maybe a little bit too good looking for a liking. I hope he's not. 
um, like Ricky Morton. As I mean, Ricky Morton was a good wrestler and and, and seemingly a good guy, um, but pr- probably doesn't have the edge that um, that I like. And and I think Wilson does have the edge. So um, I don't know on on Wilson. I certainly think with regard to Solid Douglas, we are talking about the road warriors. And if you ever want to get pumped up, forget the water rush. When they came into Iron Man, yes. Scott, like mm-hmm. that for me was like, yes, mm-hmm. like you want to get pumped up like that, them playing Iron Man and letting it run for a few seconds. And then the Legion of Doom coming out of locker room, like shot out of a cannon and running into the ring and, and clearing house. That for me is that's where it's at. So um, I will take Legion of Doom or the Road Warriors before they were um, just the Legion of Doom. The Road Warriors, but like NWA, AWA era, Precious Paul Ellering mm-hmm. playing Iron Man and coming in and wrecking shop. So that, that that's my that's uh, that's our front office right there. So hopefully hopefully they do justice to that comparison. John, speaking of great villains, one of my all-time favorite villains, and I know yours from the movies, is the character Terry Silver from Karate Kid 3. So I'm really hoping that you saw the trailer for the next season of Cobra Kai, which actually has Thomasine Griffiths, who played Terry Silver, in the trailer. You don't see his face, but you see part of his body, his hair, and all of that. I can't wait to watch that. Yeah, the ponytail, exactly. I can't wait for it. (laughs) I've got a few beefs with the Cobra Kai show because I think they made it too much Revenge of the Mm Nerds-ish. You know, and that I I like it when Cobra Kai was, like, cooler as opposed to nerdier. That said, um, I am here for for Terry Silver, and my favorite thought with regard to Terry Silver is that he was at the forefront of the Valley economic karate, youth karate driven economic boom. Like how is it that Daniel LaRusso and Terry Silver and seemingly so many others basically made a whole regional economy out of youth karate. (laughs) Like I, I just love it. Terry Silver's use it. He's in a hot tub with a golden phone and he's, you know, he's living life to the max as a, youth karate as a as a sensei um so i love i just love that i love terry silver he was a great heel i thought karate kid number three despite daniel uh despite um ralph macchio being like 43 years old when the movie came out was was a pretty good movie wasn't what uh, certainly the girl that does not hold a candle to elizabeth shoe right few do um, but, uh, but that was an underrated movie. I did like the plot twist. I liked karate bad boy, Mike Barnes. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited for the triumphant return of Terry Silver for sure. Me too, man. 100%. John Grella of Jag Public Relations. Thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Glad we could talk about the Jets off season, get a little bit into what was going on with the media, your thoughts on that. And of course, end it with some 80s pro wrestling and Cobra Kai. For those that want to follow you on Twitter, talk some Jets, or maybe they need some crisis management. I don't know. I don't know what's going on in people's lives. How can they get a hold of you? All right. So at Jonathan Grella on Twitter is where I um, address uh, Jets, all matters Jets, uh, and and kind of have my most fun. Um, as you can see, I, I do like to do like to have a laugh or two. 
Um, and then I, I have my, you know, professional handles, which, you know, which are varied. So, uh, yeah, Jag Public Affairs. Um, I think it's at Jag Pub Affairs and then at Protean PA, which is Protean Public Affairs. Uh, and then also the Daily Malarkey, which is um, our uh, newsletter uh, that we put out every day. That's that's uh, all about snark brevity and, and certainly um, not for everyone. Uh, but, but, uh, you might want to check out at daily malarkey, uh, as well. So, uh, that's where you can find me. Um, I appreciate the opportunity to plug as always, Scott. And certainly this is, uh, this is about as good, a good an hour you can have, uh, uh, on a weekday. Um, so thank you for, uh, thank you for the chance to duck work for a little while and enjoy this, uh, study hall of sorts. Always love chatting with you, John. Make sure that you're following him on Twitter and checking out everything he's doing. And make sure you're checking out everything we're doing over at playlikeajet.com. We've got some great write-ups. Charmin Phillip wrote up a review of what happened on Flight 2021, the documentary series that the Jets put out, the four-parter. So if you want the key takeaways, that's there. We've got some great videos up on YouTube now from Luke Grant. He's got one up of the L.A. Rams offense and what the Jets should steal from that concept-wise. A whole highlight reel of Quinn and Williams breaking down some of his best plays from last year. Breakdowns of Zach Wilson, Elijah Moore, Michael Carter, the other Michael Carter, Michael Carter II, and much more. So if you haven't subscribed to the channel yet, go ahead and do that. You'll also get Caleb Pace's exclusive commentaries, Pace's playbook. And if you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and PlayLikeAJet.com. <laughs>